0: The Women Changing the World Podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you, some of the most amazing women I know, who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight-up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real-life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. And welcome to a very fun episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Today, I am so excited to sit down with Claire Wasserman, an educator, author, and founder of Ladies Get Paid, an educational platform, global community, and book that champions the professional and financial advancement of women. Claire and I talk about everything from how you can really negotiate a raise in your current job to the very first step in reinventing yourself and how getting sued helped Claire overcome her imposter syndrome, plus some reasons why you may want to make friends with yours. Welcome to another new episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am so excited to be joined today by Claire Wasserman, who is an educator, author, and founder of Ladies Get Paid. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Claire.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's my pleasure. I'm, again, just so excited. I love the work that you've been doing. Um, And for anyone who's listening who may not already be familiar with uh, the badass magic that is Ladies Get Paid, uh, would you mind briefly introducing yourself? Sure. Yeah.
1: So Ladies Get Paid, uh, we are an educational platform uh, that helps women have more in their lives uh, specifically focused on career and financial advancement Um, and we do that through webinars conferences summits Um, we've got a private online network for women to connect with each other i teach at companies i wrote a book and lots more to come
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I can't wait to hear more about all of those things and the more to come. Um, I suspect I may have a sense of your answer to this question, but my first, uh, my favorite question to start with is like uh, kind of the biggest one. Um, But because it's the Women Changing the World podcast, if you could change one thing about the world, what would your one thing be? (laughs) Let's see if I get this right. Uh, Gender pay parity, gender equality. (laughs) I love it there's definitely not only one answer and I would have been surprised if that Uh yes there you go
1: I love to be predictable
0: (laughs) amazing well I would love if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about ladies get paid and how it came to be like the book the community all of it I know you've been on this journey for a while now
1: yeah, so long story short, um, when I got my first aha moment, because there were a series of aha moments that led to finally beginning Ladies Get Paid. When the first aha moment happened, I was director of marketing at a company called Working Not Working, workingnotworking.com, which is a professional network, uh, mostly freelancers and advertising, tech and design, uh, connecting based on their availability to work. And I'd had a similar job before that. So for a few years, I had been in, you know, the recruitment space. I'd had this really interesting bird's eye view of what it takes to be hired and that process. And I was finding myself becoming a little more interested in helping people thrive, you know, at their job as opposed to just getting them the job. So I was sort of heading in that direction when I had a sexist experience that led to my first aha moment. And this was in the south of France. Um, It was an advertising festival. I was there with my boss. Uh, We wanted clients. But this guy in a conversation with me, he asked me, now whose wife are you? Woo! Mm -hmm. That entire week, it was just interaction after interaction of these, like, just, just not being taken seriously in a variety of ways, mostly being made to feel uncomfortable. When I got home, I really reflected on how a lot of my career up until then, I had spent navigating really... Gender power dynamics and not having the vocabulary uh, to deal with it. Not, you know, really never thinking I, there was any sexism, to be honest. It was for me, I internalized it. Like if I was being objectified, well, therefore it must be my fault, right? Like my skirt was too short, mm-hmm. right? And I never stopped to call it out. And I never stopped to consider how much energy I had spent contorting myself, mostly in people pleasing. And all that energy, like what could I have done with it, right? Got very sort of sad for myself, and I, I wrote a little essay, based on my experience, but more on my experience of trying to understand it. And I, and I didn't publish it. I, I felt concerned that people might, you know, think I was man hating or something. And and You're
0: like, how dare she?
1: <laughs> right, right. I, I it's like. So I was okay, so I didn't share it, but I, you know, I sent it to some friends and they were like, this is so good. Can I share it with my friends? Okay. Started getting emails from people I didn't know of people saying, oh my gosh, me too. This is 2015. Mm -hmm. Got me researching, just Googling around women, wage gap, funding gap, leadership gap. I didn't know any about, I didn't know anything about this stuff. Nobody did. No one was talking about this in a mainstream way in 2015, what I uncovered were statistics that were just so much worse than I had thought, which of course, you know, speaks of my privilege, right? Like I had started my career assuming, you know, workplaces are a meritocracy. Um, well, that's, you know, that's because I'm a privileged person. So in finding out how much, how much more, like years to go before we close things like the wage gap was shocking to me. And in a way, I'm grateful for that shock because it was so startling that it I, it was like a before and after. Like I couldn't just go back to work and go back to things as normal. Like I couldn't unsee this stuff. But of course the question became as an individual, what the heck do you do? How do you combat something that's systemic and overwhelming? And so I didn't do anything for like a year. Just felt sort of crappy about it <laughs> um, and just, you know, continue to educate myself. And the next aha moment I had was when a friend came to me and told me that she had recently discovered that she was charging so much less than her male counterparts. And she was a, an advertise, She was an art director, freelance art director. And so for her, it was not so much discrimination as it was uh, lack of information, but also lack of confidence. Why did she not think she was worthy, you know, uh, worthy enough to command those big dollars? And my aha moment was, oh, the tangible, actionable way that an individual could close their own wage gap would be to ask for more money let's start by talking about it. So I hosted a town hall. This was through my old job. A hundred women came together. I said, let's talk about money. Let's do it in a facilitated discussion because this is such a loaded conversation. And I think such a big part of our progress will come from first acknowledging the taboo, right? Like we're not supposed to talk about it and seeing that you're not alone and the catharsis that can come from that. And there was no plan afterwards. It wasn't like, all right, let's do this in a series or let's do this, I'm going to quit my job. No, it was just a one-off. But what I experienced at that event, seeing these 100 women crowded into this New York apartment and how much more they wanted to talk, my next step was creating a Slack group. Again, no plan beyond that. Just, all right, well, let's continue the conversation here. Uh, there were different themes that kept coming up that evening. So I you know, made the channels. It's just like perfectly... Made sense for Slack, but it was looking at what was going on in Slack for the next two weeks that gave me exactly everything I needed to know to see what this company could become. I'd also had a a failed startup before, I should mention, which was the impetus for going to work for a startup. I, I, you know, there's only so much you can teach yourself. At some point, you do have to learn from other people. And if you can get paid while learning, that's great too. So I had felt like okay, over a year and a half, like I had learned what I needed to learn from this startup. I could go back and create my own. And I did. And it's five years later.
0: Wow. Well, that is so cool. And I definitely have more questions about like the five years later part. But at first I wanted to share, I mean, I was reading, I know you share kind of like a version of that um, that story, kind of like the aha moment story in your book. And As someone who, like, started my career more or less in corporate America after a brief journalism stint, and went to a conference that I won't name that takes place annually in Davos, Switzerland. (laughs) So, for those who who know, you may know. uh, Different but similar, I feel like experience in being like one of the only women in the room, uh, feeling like. I was being perceived in a certain way and it was my fault (laughs) for being, for being young, for what I was wearing, um, that this was just like how the world worked. Like I just, it, it made me feel, I'm like, I wish I had read your essay in 2015 after having some of the experiences that I had had early in my corporate career, because it did, it like And again, also such a reflection of my own privilege. But I felt like some of those experiences of like hearing the way women were being spoken about at like senior Mm -hmm. executive levels in companies, um, I had really like somehow magically and again, privilege like grown up with this idea that as a woman, I really could do whatever I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I entered the corporate world that I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't feel like that's true anymore. Um and and on the one hand, like what a blessing and a bubble oh, to yeah. grow up believing yeah. that. And what an awakening to be like, oh, that's not how I know. Are.
1: I know. Sometimes I wonder if I like listen, my mom was the second or third class of women in at her college. So like that's some serious feminism right there, but she never gave me a heads up, you know, on any of this stuff. Never really mm-hmm. talked about it. And in some capacity, I'm glad because I grew up with a again, ton of confidence and also not knowing this stuff made it even more shocking when I discovered it. So sometimes I do wonder if I had gotten more of a heads up, would I have done anything or just been like, well, I'm going to do my best, you know, in my own way. Or but again, that shock was just, <laughs> and, but what was very important for me was, first of all, getting mad is good, right? Like, That's energy. Anger is energy, and if I could harness that and make it productive, fantastic. But the other thing was, how do I also give people hope and the ability to see progress quicker than the 200 plus years it's going to take to close the wage gap? And that's where the salary Mm -hmm. negotiation came in, right? Like we had hashtag fuck the wage gap, right? So that's like the reason to ask for more is bigger than you, Uh, and that gave a lot of people, you know, the faith to go in and, and to stand their ground, right? But if you only make it about this larger wage gap, like it'll never be ending. So how do you chart progress in smaller ways, right? So you can feel really proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. You can see how you're moving the needle, both individually, but also at your company. So, you know, I what's wonderful is we see women in the Ladies Get Paid community talking about, you know, improving their pay family leave policy or starting or growing their employee resource group. They come in with an individual problem, but recognize, you know, like a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. So we've, you know, to make real change, you have to change the environment, but you know, these things happen concurrently. Um, and you know, we're just not going to wait for anybody else.
0: Absolutely. We're definitely, we can't wait, right. (laughs) It's just not acceptable to wait, um, as many years as it currently would indicate we need to wait. Um, well, I'm so curious, and I mean, I think everything that you just shared too is just such a testament to like why we need more women in positions of power. I'm just such a strong believer that that's the case because often when we we you know negotiate for these things, it's not just for ourselves, but it's also for like women in general. Or we get these roles, and then we think about ways that we can make things better for other people. Um, so how tell us you? I mean, you said you started with a Slack group, um, which is Awesome, but then how did you go from Slack group to like educator author? Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm sure there's a story there as well of how things evolved.
1: Yeah, well, in the Slack group, you know, people tell us what they want, right? Like they're asking each other questions. Um, so based on what I was seeing, I would go and find coaches, you know, career coaches or you know all kinds of coaches. Um, find them space, you know, like a, in a boardroom of a company, uh, and we would. You know, split the ticket sales. I would get, you know, women would come from Slack uh, because we were literally, you know, hosting events based on what they were asking for. Uh, And from there, I just felt like there was no salary negotiation curriculum that really was in the ladies get paid voice. And so I learned how to do it. You know, I read every book out there and figured out how to put my own spin on it create my own curriculum. And I did that with a lot of other subjects too. Again, the things that I was seeing that was most popular and also what was personally, you know, meaningful and moving for me, you know, and where I felt like I had a, I could have a real voice in it. Uh, and so, but everything's been self-taught, you know, it's not like anybody comes out of the womb knowing how to do this. Like, you know, so I, I uh, you know, and that and that I think is my specialty is I'm, I'm here with you. Like I'm a Peer learner, also a peer teacher. You know, I'm I'm just like one step ahead because I'm synthesizing this stuff since it's my job. But you know, I I went and I got a master's certificate in behavioral finance and financial psychology because I have a lot of emotional baggage with money that I wasn't dealing with that was preventing me from making certain decisions that I knew were good for me. Um, And so these are. You know, I'm solving my own problems just as much as I'm trying to solve other people's. Uh, but we do have a robust network of coaches, and you know everything's now online. We've got a video library, uh, and the book came naturally out of it. You know, uh, an agent uh, found out about me through uh, a lawsuit. Actually, we were we were sued. Oh yeah, much. we were sued by a group, uh, and you're gonna laugh. A group of men's rights activists. Uh, <gasps> That's how you know you've made it. <laughs> well, yes, yes, and, and it's true because I have I and I continued to experience imposter syndrome in different ways. But I, you know, I I had struggled with it. Like, who am I to do? Ladies get paid. Like, I'm not an expert. You know, uh, when I got sued, that imposter syndrome. went away. It was like, fine. If you're going to, yeah, it was really (laughs) interesting how it just evaporated. Um, If you want to learn more about it, we created a whole website. uh, So you can go to ladiesgetsued.com and you can learn about it. And it was through, I mean, we, we turned it into a marketing campaign. It was so outrageous. And we ended up having to actually crowdfund our legal fees. And so we said, let's turn this into press for us. Like people pay for marketing and PR. And we did in the form of, you know, a settlement. But, I mean, I got a book deal out of it. So, you know, thanks.
0: Who's laughing yes,
1: now? <laughs> I laughed all the way to the bank. Thanks, guys.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's wild. Um, I definitely am going to check out that website. Oh, online. it is
1: a rabbit hole you will go down. It's fascinating. I always say it's, like, objectively very interesting, just not when it's happening to you.
0: Yeah, I can I cannot imagine that being very much fun when it's happening to you.
1: Yeah. It, no, I. Thank you to my therapist for the extra anti anxiety medication that I was put on.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I bet. Um. Well, I on a slightly different but also related note, I know that I mean talking about money. I know is like has has been so taboo. I feel like, especially for women for such a long time. Um, I also know that now you host a podcast called friends who talk about money, uh, which is such an awesome name. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like, who the podcast is for? And I mean, it, it feels a little bit self-evident, but I'm also curious, like why you feel like more of us need to talk about money more.
1: Mm. Well, okay. So the podcast is now, I mean, you can find two seasons of it, but it's actually over. Um, this was hosted, uh, well, by me, but through John Hancock. Um, so we did two seasons where every episode I interview a different person, like a regular person who is experiencing some kind of financial issue or obstacle or money, you know, just sort of life circumstance. Uh, they talk candidly about it. And then I have an expert on who gives insight. Um. And I, you know, I mean, money is such a, money and sex or like in politics are just like three very, you know, potentially sort of tricky subjects. So we have to talk about it. And also there's not a one size fits all. Like that's what I loved about the format because it reminded me of how I was doing those town halls where it's not this panel of experts, it's, you know, hearing people's stories, right? And that's very much like the basis of my book as well. You begin with hearing a real person going through real things, being vulnerable. And then, okay, well, what do we learn from there and what do we do? So it's uh, it's great. It's done now. I'm working on a new podcast, for Ladies Get Paid, uh, that's totally different. The new podcast is part of a whole new program, uh, my second book, lots of amazing things coming up. It's called Get Into Your Life. Ooh. Uh, yes, and it is a roadmap for reinvention. So telling the stories of women who have made really big changes in their life, professionally you know, personally, financially, uh, and then interviews with experts. So how do you do it? So, you know, if you're unhappy with where you're at, if you're feeling stuck, um, what's the process of making change? And then not only, you know, starting, but sustaining, right? Um, You know, riding it through, you know, because it's going to get messy. Uh, And this is because I'm seeing in my community, you know, a lot of desire to change their lives. But I mean, there's an identity shift that happens. Like there's there's so many layers to you know personal evolution in your life. So just digging deeper and deeper into it so that you know people can really take command of their future. I mean, you only live one life. so better to make sure that it's one that you've chosen with intention um, and that you are fully present in it.
0: Oh my goodness, that is so fun and so exciting. Um, I mean as someone who definitely had a moment in my life when I woke up and was like, Oh my goodness! This is not my life, um, and kind of had to self-source all the different like things to help me figure out what would be my life. Um, yeah. This sounds like such an awesome resource for people.
1: I am I'm so excited about it. It's my own reinvention.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, and can I ask? Like, and I am totally putting you on the spot here, but for anyone who's listening, who's like yeah, I need to totally redo my life. Do you have any, any wisdom for where they might be able to start?
1: Man, I mean, always come to Mm ladiesgetpaid.com. Uh, I would say start with releasing any judgment that you have, uh, that you may possibly be carrying. So like, I should have done this earlier. Like how much time have I wasted? Or like, uh, you know, why is this not moving faster? Like there's So much, you know, conscious and subconscious, just like baggage that we carry around. How much harder is it than to actually make change if you are are dealing? You know, it's like just, you know, it's it's bringing you down during a process where we need you to be as kind of light as possible. So, how do you give that lightness to yourself? So, really, even just looking at your schedule and saying, how do I optimize my day where I have more energy? Um. And to just be as easy and as kind to yourself as possible during this process. Um, And that whatever it is that you're doing today, like we have no perspective on it. That only happens with time. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, get into your life, like have a lot of feelings about your life, but also like let it go a little bit too. Like if you did some journaling today, good enough. Tomorrow, you know. Let's do some, some, some prompts and thinking about like, are you in touch with your intuition? Like getting more in tune with listening to yourself so that in the future, you know, it, you don't, it doesn't take an existential crisis or a pandemic to wake you up to your life. Right. But that's going to take baby steps. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, have the fire to do it, but also be, you know, gentle with yourself <laughs> as you're taking those steps.
0: Totally. Well, I think it's so often it's like, once we have that moment of like, not this, then we want everything to happen all at once. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Being patient because this stuff takes time.
1: Yes. Yeah, I know. It's it's this balance between, you know, moving quickly but also having patience.
0: hmm Absolutely. Um well, I am so excited to hear about your own reinvention. And I have to say, it's like just so cool to see the career that you've created for yourself as an educator, an author, a speaker, a founder, a podcast host, all of the things I, as a multi passionate person, uh, just so admire and appreciate other multi passionate people. Um, I'm curious when you look back, is there anything that you wish you had known about this journey sooner? Or do you have any? wisdom to offer someone who's hoping to carve a similar path?
1: Uh, Just that, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, one thing I find always difficult is isolating the variable for what didn't work. So, Mm. because everything that you do in a business, I mean, really kind of in life in general, it's just a series of experiments here. Like, you put your best guess forward. Like, I think this is the right thing to do. Now let's see. And then you do it and maybe you don't get the result that you wanted. And so you're supposed to, quote, pivot. Well, the only way to pivot is knowing what you need to change. And sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. So learning how to dig into data, really, um, that that is difficult to learn. Um, the other thing is, is just because one thing works or just because you've figured something out uh, doesn't mean that you're done. And you shouldn't be done, right? Like <laughs> life is about growth. But, you know, for me in my journey – I accomplished a lot of things, right? Like I wrote that book. We've had, you know, we had five thousand people come to our conference. Like we, you know, all this stuff. Oh, I'm so I'm feeling really good about myself. And then I kind of hit a point where I'm like, shit, I gotta keep evolving. What Mm. next? Yikes! You know what I mean? It's like you you hit some of these bucket list things, uh, but now we got to raise the stakes. And so even though I'm somebody who you know considers myself like, like I'm really confident, well yeah, but I'm not, you know, we've only have 75,000 people in our community. And yes, I understand that sounds like a lot, but that's not 75 million. I'd like that. So what it takes to get to like this point is obviously helpful, but in some ways I feel like we're starting from scratch a little bit. Like in recent months, as we are figuring out our next steps as a business and me personally, yeah, just because I accomplished some stuff doesn't mean, you know, there's still mountains to climb.
0: Totally, and you're reminding me so much of a conversation I had with someone recently, uh, who was just really struck by the quote that I think from her acupuncture shared with her, which is that what got you here won't get you mm-hmm. there.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and to not ever rest on your laurels, like constantly be pushing yourself, which also means don't banish your, you know, if you have imposter syndrome or self doubt. Don't assume that this is going to ever go away or, like, try to make it go away. It's – I mean, if you're pushing yourself to do new things and you're moving out of your comfort zone, like, of course you're going to have self-doubt. I think it's really more about just not letting it paralyze you and using it to better understand yourself and, you know, just, like, deal with it better. That is the goal.
0: Yeah, totally. It reminds me of – and I'm probably not going to quote this as well as I would like to, but um, in The Untethered Soul – Michael, Michael Singer, I think it's Michael Singer, but, uh, talks about, um, this idea of like, we're all living in invisible boxes and that enlightenment is when you can come up against the edge of your box and feel that discomfort Mm. and move toward it instead of away from it.
1: Wow. Uh, I actually, uh, I got that on Kindle and I have yet to read it so that is on my to-do list.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes, I feel like that this book shows up in people's lives at the perfect moment and maybe now is the
1: Yes. Thank read. you.
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh, of course. Um, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it is interesting exploring. I know it's been part of my own experience of entrepreneurship is like like how to how to like freak myself out in a good way. Yes. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know if the imposter syndrome will ever go away, but also when I feel it, it's usually a sign that I'm doing something that's, like, often beyond whatever my wildest mm-hmm. dreams were before.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: um, do you have any advice for people who are listening, who are, you know, either thinking about experiencing um very familiar with with imposter syndrome. Tips for when you find yourself in that moment of like, oh,
1: yeah. I think first is getting perspective because you're so in your head about this. So one way is just to write it down. Observe like when are you having these feelings of self doubt, or when are you you know minimizing yourself, not speaking up in a meeting, whatever it is. I'm curious, you know, is, is your environment exasperating your fear? Right, like is there a certain person, or maybe there's a certain Situation where this tends to come up. Because once you get objective with it, then you can start, you know, really isolating winner, like, what do you actually do, right? So instead of trying to tackle this rather abstract, overwhelming imposter syndrome or perfectionism, oh no, let's like look at it in a meeting when you're not speaking up. Let's deal with that. Or if you get critical feedback and it tends to, you know, you tend to spiral. Let's focus just on that. It becomes more manageable. So I would say start there. I also think, you know, really focus less on your performance and the outcome of your performance because you actually have very little control over that, right? Like whether or not something is a success requires other people's participation. And you can't control that. Like maybe, you know, like if I host an event and people didn't love the, you know, maybe somebody didn't like the event. Well, that's their journey, you know, maybe I'm not like their cup of tea. Like I I just can't be I have to protect my sense of self and my self-esteem from other people's reactions to me. So instead, really, really focus on growth. What am I learning here? What is the progress that I'm making based on my performance before? Find something that you actually have agency over. So things like when I'm writing my book, instead of even saying, I have to get a certain number of pages done by this day, because sometimes it's just not the way it's gonna happen. Instead, it's, can I write without judgment? Can I try to have Mm -hmm. fun? you know today when i'm writing um th- when i was doing things like that those little challenges uh instead of gosh i really hope my editor likes this or am i going to get on a bestseller list or am i going to get canceled like that's just so beyond what i'm able to do in this moment of course i was spinning my wheels so just make mm-hmm. it objective and make it manageable and then also focus on your why like why are you doing this who are you doing this for um even if it's just i'm doing it for my team, you know, or, or I'm thinking of the end customer or client, you know, or the person reading my book, then it becomes bigger than me. And that Mm -hmm. also can give you that instant perspective that's so needed.
0: Definitely. Oh my gosh. There were so many great nuggets in there. Um, and the, the thread that I really want to pull too is, is given that you're someone who has, you know, so many different things on your plate in a given day, I imagine, um, how like how do you manage your time in your day-to-day, or how do you prioritize all the different pieces of things that you're currently working on?
1: Well, it's exactly what you just said, prioritize. Um, I think this is so key for anybody who is overworking or feels really, really overwhelmed. It's not about getting all of it done. It's just about getting what needs to be done. So really make sure that you understand the difference between something that's urgent versus important versus can be delegated. Um and be very reasonable and realistic with your capacity to get stuff done. So again, instead of like, I have you know 10 things I need to get done. Well, maybe one or two of those things actually takes you a really long time and that's okay. So instead of saying I have to get these 10 things done, only focus on those two things. And so I have a whole system where I use a spreadsheet to like map out everything that I need to get done, but I only write down my top, you know the top one or two things on an index card and I just look at the index card for that day. And when that index card's done, I have another index card with the next two, three, four things it needs to get done. So like create a system for yourself where you at least have everything in one place, but don't look at it. <laughs> just don't. Unless you feel like you want to cry, that's fine too. <laughs>
0: Wait, I love that. How did you arrive at this system of like the full spreadsheet, but only looking at the index card?
1: I have no idea. I don't know if somebody told me that or if that just was my own thing over time. I, you know, I was just doing it online, but I didn't get the satisfaction that, you know, when you cross something out with like drama, you know, the sound Mm -hmm. of my Sharpie, like I fucking love that. So I'm like, dang, I need to write this down. So I was writing a bunch of stuff down. I'm like, this is too many things. I thought just on an end, and I have brightly colored index cards. And that was sort of fun. Um, So I'll have, you know, three different index cards with different colors, each one indicating the level of, you know, significance of that day. And then I finish, you know, I have a coach who said to me, girl, Claire, if you're done at 3.30, you got your priorities done, don't push yourself. Be Let done. Let it be done. Just yeah. Be done. Don't get in the habit of having to work all day just because, you know, we're told we're supposed to be a nine to five. Like if you got your shit done by 3:30, how about you use the rest of the day to work out, to relax, to do something creative? That's gonna like fill you up. Cause at the end of the day, it's really about your energy and the quality of your work. So really needing to shift myself from like all the to-dos and the hours to just like priorities and qualities.
0: Hmm. Yes. It's, I feel like it's such a radical shift. And I mean, I will confess as I think both people who know me in real life and people who listen to this podcast know, like I still totally struggle with like weirdly, I mean, I'm like almost three years into entrepreneurship. And when I'm not working between nine and five, I still either feel guilty or like I'm getting away with something. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. how is this still like the programming runs so deep?
1: Sure does. Sure does. And um, I just like to think, you know, how lucky am I that I've been able to figure this stuff out? It's still hard. But the fact that we are even like enlightened to it is is great.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's so cool. And I, thank you for sharing your system with us. That's fun to hear and know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I feel like we would be remiss if we did not talk about how ladies can get paid. Um, yeah. specifically some salary negotiation stuff. Um, I' am actually I'm so curious to hear like some of your take on some of this um, as someone who has helped a number of women negotiate their salaries. Um, I guess if someone was coming to you and like total blank slate not familiar with all your work um, and they're like, I know I'm being underpaid and I want to negotiate a higher salary in my next role. Where would you tell them to start?
1: Start by um, I mean, market research. So I would really well, first of all, understand that your salary is gonna be calculated within what's called a pay band. Okay. So between like X and Y. So when you start doing your research, you're looking for a range. Your challenge is to make the case for why, you know, you're a top performer, therefore you should get top dollar. Also, compensation is contextual. So you can't, you know, if you're working for a startup, but You know, you're talking to people who work at Facebook or Salesforce, like they're probably going to get paid more than you. So be aware that location matters, a size of company, how many years in business, if you have any special skills or you're bringing in clients, right? Like that's, you have a big network. Like there's all different reasons why people get paid different amounts. Again, your job is to make the case for the top dollar. Definitely, definitely reach out to white men. Go on LinkedIn. You don't need to know them. Tell them that you think that like they could be a great ally, like men want to help, ask them to give you feedback on the research you've done. And if they feel comfortable, they could share their salary, but give them an out, right? Hey, this is the range X and Y. I'm curious if I'm off base, if you have any tips for negotiation, this is such a great way to be an ally. You know, I just want to make sure that as a woman, I'm getting paid fairly. And this is like a personal challenge to like email you and, you know, happy to support you just get as much data as possible, you will feel infinitely more confident that you are asking for the right amount when you do that research. The next oh challenge, goodness. but the next what? challenge is, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I love this approach of enlisting white men as allies in this.
1: Yeah, because they want to help, but they just don't know how. And so this is a way to do it. It's like, well, just tell me your negotiation tricks. Um
0: And And tell me what you're making. And
1: tell me what you're making. But, like, again, if you don't feel comfortable, like, just give me feedback on this range, you know, on the research I did. Or give me your range, okay? Mm -hmm. And challenge yourself, you know, 10 10 people. Who knows? This could be great networking for you. You, like, look pretty assertive and, you know, badass to do that. Um, But the top performer part comes into play, which means you have to be able to articulate your impact on your business bottom line, quantify in all ways that you can, time that you have saved the company, like if you've contributed to the company culture, like you've been a mentor, like this stuff doesn't have to be official. You just need to have specific examples. Um, And then don't think of you asking for money as a I mean, you asking for a raise is not you asking for a favor, nor is it a reward for past work. It's really an investment. It's an investment in your future. And that means showing ideas you have, your potential, you know, you learn quickly. You can, you know, you're resilient, you're resourceful, you're creative. Like it's an investment. I mean, they're getting a return on their investment. Otherwise you don't work there anymore. So, you know, there's a mindset shift, but you do need to speak in dollars and that can sometimes be tough for people depending on what they do for a living. So join ladies, get paid and we'll help Mm -hmm. you out.
0: I love it. Well, it I mean it absolutely is an investment. I you probably know off the top of your head better than I do, but like the amount of money it would cost a company to replace you exactly is mm-hmm. what it's like more than 50% of like your salary, right? Is that Ooh, I don't know the cost actually. I just know that there is a cost. Okay. Yeah. I've seen different figures, but I feel like it's like, let's just ballpark it. I think it's about like, if you had to give a number to it, it's about like 50% of like what you get paid in a year. If you were to like put in your two weeks notice right now and leave, like they'd have to go without you or someone doing your job likely for a while. They'd have to find and train your replacement. Like it's a drain on resources to replace you. So it's probably cheaper to just pay you what you should get paid.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What would you say to someone who has like gotten all the data and made a very compelling dollars and cents resources ROI case for why they should have gotten a raise yesterday and they're told no? Have a
1: comeback ask. So I think too often we get the no and we go, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just think of a no as a not yet and have that comeback ask with full compensation so Ask for things that bring you value, but that maybe don't cost them any money or much money. Um, That could be career development, for example. Uh, It could be, you know, push them to be creative. Like, how can we figure this out together? Whether it is, you know, a commission, uh, if you're able to, you know, for certain performance metrics or a signing bonus. Uh, And if you're hearing me right now and you think, well, but if they don't have more salary to give me, then how would they have that money? Different departments. Totally different departments. I know many, many, many people who were not able to get the base salary they wanted, but got a signing bonus that ended up mm-hmm. equaling the annual salary that they wanted. But don't assume that they're gonna give that to you. You have to ask for it. Um, and again, they want to make this work. So by you, you know, proposing these creative solutions, that's great. That's great.
0: Definitely. And if someone's listening right now and they're like, oh yeah, that like sounds great. And I'm really freaked out by the idea of doing this. Would you mind sharing like an expansive story on how like someone who's been successful in making and receiving what they asked
1: for? Sure. Okay. Well, you're going to look really good. Like as a business owner, you know, I want to see, we don't have any employees anymore. We have, we have some freelancers, but you know, as somebody who has employed people, they're going to represent my business. Right. So I want them to be professional Thoughtful, well researched. I want them to stand up, you know, be like a fighter too. So Mm -hmm. just know that it's not so much what you say as it is how you say it. So come in first with, I know that this is a company that values pay parity, even if you don't know that. Say it anyway, because it holds them (laughs) accountable to it. I know that you want that you you you're you're all about fairness. So what can we do together to get me to a place that's closer to this ask? and have one or two, you know, two more numbers in your back pocket. Um, And then reiterate your excitement to work there. Like, it's just math. I know it doesn't feel like it. There's a lot of emotional stuff around. It feels deeply personal. But they have, you know, at the end of the day, all the employees, like, you're all numbers on a balance sheet that an accountant looks at. So you're just making the case for the top number. If you can't get the top number, okay, you go for the second number or the third number that you have in your back pocket, along with the conversation around full compensation. You've already made the case for why you're a top performer, right? You Really dug into the numbers of the value you've brought to the company and your capacity for growth, right? So they're expecting you to do this. This is the process of having a job. And to not do it, I've had a number of people think, well, gosh, that person either didn't negotiate or they presented a number that was so low, what's wrong with them? Like we pay for things that we deem valuable. So, you know, we get wary if somebody's some, you know, really underpriced, like they have a luxury good, right? Like if a luxury good is not being, you know, you don't, I think part of it is we want to pay a lot of money, you know, we're like Chanel costs money uh, and you think you're getting more value for it, whether or not you are, I don't know, but you know, do, do be wary of not advocating for yourself and that that's not going to make you look like, professional that we expect you to
0: be. Totally. Totally. It's so interesting because I find that um, I know a number of women who have been presented with, or maybe not presented with, but have found themselves in situations where like the, for lack of a better metaphor, like it's an open field Mm -hmm. uh, for them to make the case for what comes next for them. Uh, whether, and I mean, money is, is, is usually a part of that, but it's also, you know, more like you can literally write your job description. You like make the case for what you want to do next. And like, we will make it happen for you. Um, And I also know that in a number of cases, I know women who have felt like frustrated that they had to make the case as opposed to kind of like being told what to do next. Do you have any thoughts or wisdom on like a reframe of that of a situation like that when like it's like open, you can do whatever you want, and how to feel like empowered by that opportunity as opposed to annoyed that someone's not creating a path?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, think of yourself as a business. You know, you're you're the LLC of you, uh, <laughs> and this is so exciting. What opportunity! to really map out what is it that you want to learn again look at your company that you work for or your own business as getting an MBA and you just happen to be paid to get the MBA so what do you want to learn what do you want exposure to what you know like what kind of networks do you want to expand skills etc at see where the company is investing literally like where are they hiring where are they putting resources in look at where the industry is going Align yourself with that growth and you will have, like, your ceiling will be so much higher. Um, There's a woman in, in the Ladies Get Paid book, Shalmina, who many years ago worked for IBM in hardware sales and she did extremely well, was telling her mentor about how, you know, oh, I'm going for this promotion. And her mentor said, I actually think you're really limiting yourself. You need to be looking at where the industry and the company is investing. And that is software sales. And so she then networked her way into the software department and effectively started over huge learning curve really humbled her, ended up becoming so much more valuable because now she had both hardware and so- software skills and was unique because of that and and it, you know now she just wrote her own book and it just came out I mean she like became hugely successful because of that but that was you know oh widening up like she could have kept on a certain track and would have done well, but your world can be so much bigger. Uh, if you just like, just think as big as possible. And then also how do you solve problems for the company, right? Like at the end of the day, like they're only going to invest where they can see the potential for making money. So you need to be orienting in that direction. Um, But I would say, look look at your life, look at your profession as if you were getting an MBA. And this is like your senior thesis, you know? Mm. But again, instead of you having to pay student loans, like you're getting a paycheck.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that MBA analogy so much because it's like, it's so much more empowering. And I feel like if you were even, as opposed to thinking about the senior thesis, thinking about like, it's your first day of classes,
1: mm-hmm. looking
0: ahead and being like, okay, what are all the things I want to make sure I walk out of this experience with? Um, It's just such a different approach than I think we often take to our jobs. Yes, Exactly. Well, one of my favorite questions to ask on this podcast is the younger self advice question, which is if you could give younger Claire and you can totally pick one age or just give some generic younger self advice. um, But if you could give your younger self some advice, what would, what do you wish you had known sooner?
1: Yeah. I think just be less hard on yourself. It's like, you know, just let go of the perfectionism. Like it's a short-term solution. Like you think it's helping you, you know, be excellent and be detail-oriented and like maybe it is for a little bit, but long-term it's just going to burn you out. And you're just like – life is also about enjoying yourself and being healthy um, and sane and to prioritize that. But you know what? It also wouldn't change my path for anything. Like I'm here because of everything, you know, that's happened to me and how I've reacted to things and so – you know, wouldn't, don't regret us a minute of it, but could have, you know, protected my energy, I think a little bit, a little bit better.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true for so many of us. Well, related, but separate. Um, I have a not at all secret dream that one day I'm going to get inspirational post-it notes printed with all of the inspiring messages that the women on the podcast have shared. Cause I know a lot of us are like crazy people who sit at our desks surrounded by colorful post-its with reminders, Um, So if you got your own Claire Wasserman reminder post-it, what would you want to write on it?
1: Mm, I know you sent me this question beforehand and I didn't really think about it too much uh, because I kind of wanted to see what I'd come up with now in the moment, which of course is nothing. I'm just going to say, well, for me, just so you know, I don't have a post-it on my desk, but I have a picture of myself as a little kid as Mm. a way of a reminder of like, that's still me. Like be kind to yourself. Uh, also, this picture is very funny of me as a little kid. And so it sort of reminds me of, like, when I didn't care about what other people thought, right? Like, there is a fearlessness to this, like, little kid. So I don't know if it would be, like, do it for little you or something ah. like that. Well, well, we can workshop the copy. but I love it. You know, I'm a big believer in keeping pictures of yourself, you know, reminding yourself of that you're still you. Life just happened,
0: you know? Oh, my goodness. I love it. Well, and and yeah, from a copy perspective, I'm like I could totally see this being like a do it for like fill in the blank year old. Year. Yeah. Because I think yeah. so many of us, our inner child has an age. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And probably a picture where you look really funny. Yeah.
0: Yes. And like totally unconcerned with what yes, the world might. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, how fun. Um, well, what is making you feel hopeful right now? It's 2022. I feel like we can all use a dose of hope (laughs) these days.
1: I think that, um, I know a lot of stuff seems like pretty horrible, uh, and it sort of is, but at least we're talking about it. Like there's again, you know, the wage gap, like when I started reading about it in 2015, you know, people weren't discussing it. Um, Pre-pandemic, I was talking about you know the importance of paid family leave. Uh, but now people are really talking about it. So I, you know, I would say the urgency with which people are having important conversations is good. I'm I'm glad. Like it's not just me yelling about it. I have other voices here too to join me.
0: Totally, totally. I feel like you are not just shouting into the void. We are all shouting into it. Yes, yes. Hopefully not the void. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, for people who are feeling super inspired, who are ready to get paid and or who are very curious about your reinvention and everything that's coming next, what's the best way or place for people to stay in the loop on what you're up to? Just uh,
1: come join ladiesgetpaid.com. You can also follow us on social at ladiesgetpaid and follow me on Instagram at Getspaid. Um, I've been posting two reels a day. That's my challenge to myself. Um, so it's a great place to you know, get educated, but also to stay in touch. And I always love hearing from real people because otherwise I'm sitting at home you know, staring at my computer. Um, so I, I, miss, I miss people. So I, you know, I would love people to let me know what's going on, what's resonated, and how I can support them. Um, including you so thank you for for giving me this opportunity to share today
0: oh my goodness of course thank you so much for making time it has been seriously such a treat to get to sit down with you i'm so inspired by the work that you're doing it's more important now than ever i mean it's just going to continue to be more and more important and i can't wait to see what your reinvention holds me too (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the women changing the world podcast. Please rate and review the women changing the world podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or Google podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is Liz best. That's L I S B E S T. Or you can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Liz best. Join my mail list by visiting elizabethbest.com slash monthly meditation, and you'll receive all the latest updates on events, retreats, and opportunities to work with me, plus a monthly love note from my heart to your inbox. I am so excited to keep in touch, and I'll see you in the next episode.